Hello everyone, it's Russell Venosi back for another episode of the Main Street Preps podcast. We've got a real treat for you this week. Former NFL quarterback and Lipscomb Academy coach Trent Dilfer is our featured guest. Coach Dilfer and I talked about his team's hot streak, why he decided to coach high school football, and what lies ahead for the Mustangs. After that, I give my weekly football predictions, which seem to be stuck on 7-3 records each week. I'm not necessarily mad about that, given how wild the COVID season has been, but we're going to try to do just a little bit better this week. Now, let's get to the good stuff. Here's my conversation with Trent Dilfer. I'm joined today by Lipscomb Academy coach Trent Dilfer. Thanks for making time for us today, coach. I appreciate you having me. We're recording this pretty early on a Wednesday, and I have to admit, I'm on sports rider hours, so I'm not much of a morning person, but I I, I know you'll bring the energy this morning. (laughs) (laughs) So you're up all night like me? (laughs) Basically, yeah. Were you up watching film or something? Always. It's uh, My wife warned me when uh, years ago when we thought about coaching the NFL or college, I turned down some opportunities and she's like, well, when you say yes, be ready for no sleep and I'll stay up as long as I can with you. So sometimes she'll stay up with me and play on our computer, listen to music or something while I'm watching tape and she eventually falls asleep. Well, you have plenty of reasons to be energized right now, even if you're not sleeping too well. The Mustangs have won three in a row um, after a couple of losses to open the season. Um, and you guys have actually outscored your last three opponents, 147 to 13. Why is your team playing so well right now? Well, I think there's a lot of reasons. I think every team situation has been very unique, how they went through camp, if they had a camp, how they handled re-entry from quarantine, how you're handling COVID, your players' progression from a strength and conditioning standpoint, blah, 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 blah. Every coach has had that challenge. Every team's had that challenge. We added that challenge by opening up with one of the best programs in the Southeast in Brentwood Academy and played hard, played well for a lot of the time and, you know, got beat. Then we followed up with another 3A, uh, AAA opponent, JP2, and didn't play very well, and but learn from them. I think that's the theme of this. Is we've learned through every step of the way as, as coaches, as players, we really took the approach that uh, we're going on this long journey. We use the metaphor of climbing a giant mountain. And when you're climbing, you're going to dig your fingers in sometimes and you're going to slip and you're going to fall back. You got to catch yourself, learn why you slipped and then keep climbing. And we've kept climbing. We've played better football the last three weeks. We're still trying to get better. We have a really good opponent this week and a tough opponent to finish the season. So we're trying to get to the mountaintop. It's a steep climb. There's going to be times where you lose your footing and, and you got to learn from those times. And we feel like we've done that. And speaking of learning, you're in your second season now at Lipscomb Academy and second season as a head coach in general. Uh, what did you learn last year that's, that's helping you now? <laughs> Learned everything. I mean, you know, you have a lot of theoretical stuff, conceptual stuff that you think is going to be part of the job, and sometimes that's very different than reality. I think I learned the realities of what the high school student-athlete goes through, what they can process, what can overwhelm them, what other issues are going on in their life tend to show up in football that they need to be you know, develop holistically, not just from a football standpoint. You, know, you learn how to coach certain kids differently. You, you learn uh, a lot about yourself and how the, the team kind of takes on your personality. So you got to be very careful what your personality is and how you handle different situations. So we've learned a lot. We also learned that they'll exceed our expectations if we handle it correctly. And I, I think that's another thing why we think we're going to play our best football at the end of the year is because we continue to push the envelope on what we expect from them and, and they continue to exceed those expectations many times. 
And after your, your NFL career uh, ended, you were doing some broadcasting work. But but I know you found more purpose working with the high school players at Elite 11 camps. Uh, I know you got a chance to instruct a bunch of future NFL guys like Kyler Murray, Jared Goff, Tua Tagovailoa, Deshaun Watson, and others. Is that kind of when the seed was planted that you that you might enjoy high school coaching? Yeah, it was. I um again the the coaching journey for me has been interesting. I I was offered a assistant general manager job as I was in the NFL as I was retiring from the NFL. I didn't want to do that to my family. When I went to T- TV, was really a bridge for me to kind of figure out what I was going to do with my life. <laughs> and it ended up being a nine-year career. But in the midst of that, the Elite 11 was wetting my whistle, so to speak, on the coaching thing. And there was other opportunities that I thought about jumping into, just the timing wasn't right. And then this was truly a calling to get in the high school space and to come here to Middle Tennessee. And a lot of those seeds were planted and nurtured through the opening and the Elite 11 and just this grassroots coaching space and being around these great coaches and these kids. And uh, Lipscomb was 3-19 and in the two seasons before you got there. And when you arrived at your opening press conference, you said, quote, the resources here are great. There's no reason we can't be really good. Where do you think you are in the process of turning that program around? And we went to the state semis and lost in the first year after being 3-19. and That was a pretty good affirmation to the community that if the buy-in is there, you know, we can be really successful. And this year's been very unique, obviously, at every level. But I still think there's been that understanding, that collective buy-in from the community that if we keep pushing, if we keep challenging, if we keep developing, that this can be a dominant program. And that's that's where we want to go. I'd say we're getting there. I don't want to give it a percentage number thing, but we're definitely making strides. Definitely feel like we're starting to figure some things out. We need to be tested more. We need to play better people. We need to play better people week in, week out so we can see how we bounce back each week. As we continue to challenge ourselves more, do hard things, and have bigger challenges, I think we'll know more where we're at. A couple of your players I'd like to highlight here are quarterback Luther Richardson and running back Alex Broom. I know Richardson has been solid for you guys for the last couple years. He's got about 1,000 passing yards and 10 touchdowns. Broom has only played three games after transferring from Maplewood, but he's been a big addition. 260 rushing yards, eight touchdowns. Seems like he's scoring a touchdown about every other time he touches the ball. How good do you think your offense can be with players like these? We have a lot of good players. Um, People want to talk about Alex and Luther, as they should. I I think Alex is as good a running back as there is in uh, Middle Tennessee. Uh, He's just beginning to touch the surface. Um, You know, I played with an NFL back, Frank Gore, that he's very similar to in his running style. Um, Probably faster and twitchier than Frank. Um, Fantastic receiver out of the backfield, too. So Alex is a special player, and, and we'll continue to find ways to get him the ball. Uh, Luther's just done a great job at, at every step of the way. Uh, you know, he's thrown to the fire last week, last year as a sophomore, hadn't really played quarterback his whole life, uh, learned a lot, handled everything, you know, the ups and downs really well. Uh, this year he's handled them and flows really well. He had a really poor game week two, uh, bounced back, handled it like a pro uh, with his teammates, and has only gotten better uh, each day since then. Um, but we have a lot of good players. We have some really good players on defense. Um, there's, our offensive line is really developed well. Grant Williams, our offensive line coach, who coached nine, uh, played nine years in the NFL and coached in the XFL last year, has coached high school football in St. Louis before. He's done a great job with him. Uh, our defense is really coming together with Sione as our defense coordinator and the schemes they run, and we've added good personnel there. So 
uh, we have a lot of good players. We feel like we have seven, eight, nine, ten Division One football players on our team, and we have a lot of young guys that we're playing that we're developing too. So um, we feel good with where we're at. We're going to get better, but we feel good with the players that we have. And this week, unfortunately, the CPA game has been messed up by COVID-19, and you guys have replaced that with Briarcrest Christian. Um, Two-part question here for you. Uh, one, is the CPA game going to be rescheduled? And two, what was the process like for finding a replacement opponent for this Friday? Yeah, well, we're doing everything in our power to reschedule um, CPA. Um, we're working diligently um, to find dates to play them in the regular season. We definitely want that to happen. Um, it's really on CPA now to, to figure that that won't, that piece out. Um Briarcrest, uh, we have a, one of our coaches knows coach new coach Stewart. So as soon as we heard about the challenges CPA was having with COVID, uh, we reached out to Coach Stewart. Um, they had an open date. We kind of said, okay, well if things don't work out with CPA, let's do it. Um, as we found out more late Sunday night is when we found out final word from CPA that that they wouldn't be able to play this week. Um, we locked in Briarcrest. I think we're both excited about it. It's, it's a neat opportunity for their community. We can offer them um, more tickets than they were getting. Uh, so their community, their parents will be able to see their kids play, even though it's a few hours um, away. Um, you know, I think they respect what we're doing, so it's a good challenge for them, and it's a really good challenge for us. They're a really talented bunch, uh, well-coached, explosive. Um, so it should be a really good matchup for both teams and a matchup that will help us, you know, harden us for region games. And yeah, speaking of the region, uh, right now you guys have a leg up there in the, the D2 AA middle region at two and O. Um, of course that'll be three and O if that CPA game doesn't work out the rescheduling. Um, so otherwise that just leaves BGA, a team that beat you guys to end the regular season last year. Um, I would imagine you've got that one circled, right? Well, it's all ice, you know, high school football, they're all big, (laughs) You (laughs) you know, just, you know, you can't really do the paper win-loss thing. you got to go play the games. And Jonas does a really good job over there at BGA. They're getting better. You know, they, they had a lot of turnover on their roster, so uh, it, it was to be expected that they'd have some early season struggles. But they're going to be better. Jonas is uh, one of the better coaches in Middle Tennessee, has a track record of developing his team. So by the time we face BGA, they'll be a much better team than they are right now. Uh, we, we don't want – the forfeit winning at CPA. That's just not who we are. Um, I wouldn't even count it as a win. Uh, we did the same thing with FRA. They weren't playing football uh, in week three when we originally had them scheduled. Um, we had a bye week in week six, so we flipped that bye so, so FRA wouldn't have to forfeit. We were able to play them in person. Um, we want to do the same thing with CPA. Um, you know, we, we want to play all of our region games. I think it's really important for the region. It's really important for playoff seeding. It's really important for our communities. Uh, we're going to do everything in our power to do that. And, and uh, we, you know, we want to play football. <laughs> yeah. That's the biggest thing we promise these these kids, these families, is we're going to play as many football games as we possibly can. So um, we want to play football games. We're looking to do everything in our power to, to reschedule CPA so we get them in the regular season. Well, fingers crossed that you can, because I think that'll be a great matchup if it happens. Um, but otherwise, Coach, I believe that's all I've got, unless you had anything else you'd like to add. No, I'm good. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited that you know kids are able to play football right now. I think that's been the number one goal um, since day one. Winning and losing is important, but it's not the most important. Um, these kids are going through a lot. You know, 
for every issue that you've gone through as an adult. Um, Mac, you know, uh, multiply that a few times for what a kid's going through because he's confused. He or she's confused. They don't understand the world they're living in. I think sports, extracurriculars really does a good job of uh, balancing that out and, and helping them with their mental health. Uh, we've been able to play 24 games in our entire program in, in a month. Um, fifth, sixth grade, seventh, eighth, freshman, JV games, varsity. So we promised the kids football, and they're getting a lot of football, and we, we want to continue to do that throughout uh, the season. Yeah, it's definitely great to have that since the nor- normalcy this year. But but thanks, Coach, and, and best of luck this week against Briarcrest. You got it. Thanks, pal. All right, that's been Lipscomb Academy coach Trent Dilfer. We appreciate him joining us today. It's time to make some high school football picks. Now, before I get started, let me just say, the last couple of weeks there have been cancellations on Thursday uh, and even Friday, and so... I've done my best to filter out games that I believe have been canceled or on the, or on the brink of getting canceled. Um, but as as we found out over the last month or two, there's until a game kicks off, there's no guarantee that it's going to be played. So with that, I've got I picked out ten games here to talk about. The first one just came together this week. It's Oakland at Brentwood, a huge Class Six A showdown that we weren't expecting to get. But Oakland lost its opponent, Blackman, to COVID issues, and Brentwood lost its opponent uh, to COVID issues as well. So now we have this great matchup between the number one and number four teams in the Main Street Preps poll, Oakland being number one, Brentwood being number four. Both of these teams have a chance to compete for the state title, I believe. Um, In fact, this could even be a preview of the 6A Blue Cross Bowl final uh, if both teams manage to say to stay virus-free throughout the playoffs. Um, easier said than done at this point. It's also an interesting battle of, of different strengths. Oakland really likes to run the football. They average uh, about uh, 300 yards on the ground every game. They've got three guys that contribute to that in a big way. That's Antonio Patterson, Jordan James, and Victor Stevenson. Um, on the other side, Brentwood really likes to air it out with senior quarterback Kay Granzow. Um, and he's got some targets he really likes to find in Walker Merrill and Aaron Walton. Uh, Merrill is hoping to be back this week after missing a couple games due to injuries. Um, so Oakland hasn't come close to losing yet this season, but I think the Bruins will give them a test. I'm going Oakland 35, Brentwood 30. Then we've got Pearl Cone at East Nashville, which I think is also up there for game of the week consideration, along with the one we just talked about. Uh, these Metro teams are finally back. We're really happy for them. I got to see Pearl Cone last Friday uh, in a great win over Hillsborough that, came, that happened in double overtime. Um, now, anyways, Pearl Cone East Nashville obviously is always a good matchup. Pearl Cone has actually won the last five meetings, but but these teams had very different season openers. Like I said, Pearl Cone barely squeaked out that win over Hillsborough, and East Nashville um, rolled over Maple, Maplewood 51-6. So Pearl Cone's going to need to find some more offense uh, this week, and that's going to be on the shoulders of quarterback Martino Owens and his playmakers uh, to try to keep up with East Nashville. Uh, but that being said, I like Pearl Cone to pull this one out on the road. Pearl Cone 24, East Nashville 17 is my prediction. Then we've got Pope John Paul at NBA. Uh, JP2 held on to beat Franklin last week, even without Antoine Roberts and, and Sawyer Watts, their starting running back and starting quarterback. Elijah Robb and Kenny Minchie did a nice job filling those spots, but the Knights really need Roberts and Watts to come back for this stretch run of the season so they can uh, try to get in the playoffs and maybe even get a home playoff game. Uh, meanwhile, NBA has already won 
its first three games after sitting out the first three weeks of the season. And Marcel Reed, sophomore dual threat quarterback, is a big reason why. He's already got 530 passing touchdowns, uh, 530 passing touchdowns, five passing touchdowns, 530 passing yards, 64 rushing yards, and a touchdown. He's got two solid running backs in Patrick Wilt and Rhett Hiles, uh, who have combined to rush for almost 800 yards and seven touchdowns. So I think NBA is going to pull this one out, and, and if they do, they will be on the inside track for that home playoff game I mentioned. Uh, so I'm going Big Red 24, Knights 21. Beach at Hillsborough. This game is actually going to be played at Overton High School because um, the schools couldn't come to an agreement on uh, playing the game at Beach, and Hillsborough's field is still under construction. Um, and Beach actually hasn't played since September 11th due to COVID-19 issues. So the Bucks are going to need to get back in sync quickly here. Three of their last four games are against Region 6-5A opponents, including Hillsborough. You know, Hillsborough's kind of in the same boat. They're shaking off rust. They didn't score until overtime in their season-opening loss at Pearl Cone last week. Um, and I was there for that one. And quarterback Jalen Macon is really talented, but he wasn't quite on the same page with his receivers, which is understandable given the uh, limited amount of practice time they had. But that's something they're going to need to clean up against Beach because Beach allows less than 20 points a game. I don't know that they're going to be ready for that challenge, so I'm going Beach 27, Hillsboro 14. Cane Ridge at Smyrna. Uh, Smyrna has averaged 30 points per game uh, behind some solid quarterback play from Landon Miller, and they've got a, a really good senior athlete in Jameer Eaton, who's got over 700 all-purpose yards and eight touchdowns. Uh, but the Bulldogs are going to meet a team of similar caliber on offense, perhaps even better in Pearl Cone, um, another region opponent. Uh, the Ravens have a senior in Tyrod Good, who scored three touchdowns last week, including two on long punt returns in a 40-point win over Overton. Uh, Canridge also has a senior quarterback in Xavion Clemens and sophomore Reggie Goodlow. Uh, Goodlow rushed for 160 yards and a score in their opener. Um, I think Canridge um, could be the best Metro team uh, this season. They were among the best last year, and I think they're going to be a little bit too much for Smyrna. So I'm going Canridge 35, Smyrna 20. Good Pasture FRA, a, a Division II battle here. Good Pasture has enjoyed a renaissance of sorts under their first-year coach, Tyler Turner. Tyler Turner, And outside of a blowout loss to Lipscomb Academy a couple weeks ago, the, the Cougars really look like they can be competitive in that crowded Division II middle region um, for the first time in, in a few seasons. FRA, on the other hand, has struggled in its first three games. They were able to pull out a win over, uh, over White House in double overtime um, in their opener, but... They were without coach Bill Whittemore last week in a 61-0 defeat at Lipscomb Academy. Um, really tough loss there. Um, I, I think this is the perfect opportunity for the Cougars to top FRA for the first time since 2016. I, I think they can get it done. So I'm going good pasture 40, FRA 24. Next up is Innsworth at Father Ryan. Innsworth desperately needs to win to stay in the playoff hunt. They are 0-3 at this point. Um, but I think this week could be the week that they get it done. Uh, the Tigers nearly had NBA last week if the Big Red hadn't scored 17 fourth-quarter points. Um, and they've got a big Ohio State commitment in Andre Turrentine, who plays receiver and defensive back. Uh, it seems like he's due for a big night. Um, however, Father Ryan ha- also has a big senior uh, in D.C. Tabscott, quarterback that's going to Appalachian State. And he threw for over 200 yards and accounted for five touchdowns in a single half against Green Hill last Friday. 
Um, so stopping him is going to be key for Ensworth. And if they do, I, I like the Tigers to pull this one out 31-27 over Father Ryan. Henry County at Gallatin, another game that came together due to COVID-19. Henry County comes in at number 21 in the Main Street Preps poll. Their only losses are to number 4 Brentwood and number 12 Beach. And the Patriots can put up a bunch of points very quickly thanks to quarterback Ryan Damron. And uh, he's got 16 total touchdowns. And playmakers like Zamirion Kendall, Jamarcus Johnson, and Memphis commitment Jawan Odoms. Um, Gallatin, they're reeling right now. They've lost to Mount Juliet, Collierville, and Wilson Central the last three weeks. So the the Green Wave really need to get back on track here heading into their bye week next week. Uh, But slowing that Henry County offense, I think it's going to be too difficult of a challenge. Um, So my pick is Henry County 38, Gallatin 28. Mount Juliet at Rossview. Mount Juliet is still undefeated, although they had a scare a couple weeks ago at Wilson Central, only won by three points. And I think Rossview, if the Golden Bears aren't careful, could provide a similar challenge this week. Uh, Mount Juliet has also heading into its bye week, just like Gallatin. Um, the Hawks have won their last three games, although it's come over Clarksville Northeast, Station Camp, and Dixon County, which are a combined 4-11 and 11 this year, so take that with a grain of salt. But Rossview does have a stingy defense that is allowing just about 11 points a game. Um, so if they can play well, the Hawks at least have a chance. But my, my guess here is that Rossview would need a, almost a perfect performance to defeat uh, the number 9 team in our top 25 poll. So I'm going with Mount Juliet 30, Rossview 16. And to wrap it up, we have Creekwood at White House Heritage, um, a Region 5-4A battle. Um, Creekwood is 6-0 right now, and their path to the region title is pretty simple. They have four games left, and they have, all four of those are league games. So if they can win those, they will be the region champ. Of course, the season culminates with Springfield and Creekwood playing each other, and that could very well be for the region title. Anyway, Creekwood has a senior quarterback, Elijah Donaldson, that stood out. Uh, he's also placed free safety for a Creekwood defense that has given up just 47 points um, through its six games. White House Heritage is 5-1, and one, and they continue to find ways to win despite dealing with injuries to multiple key players. Now, they did get Jackson Mapes back last week, and that provided a huge boost for them in a 41-27 victory over Portland. Um, Jackson had some injuries early in the year. He's been in a car accident and uh, dealing with COVID-19 contact, straight, contact tracing issues. Uh, but he finally got to play last week for the first time all season and rushed for six touchdowns. So uh, he, he was eager to get out there and, and pay big dividends for the Patriots. However, I, th- I think Creekwood is probably a, t- a little too strong here. So I'm going Red Hawks 42, White House Heritage 28. And that'll do it for this week's edition of the Main Street Preps podcast. Be sure to visit MainStreetPreps.com to keep up with all the action. We'll see you back next week.